Good morning. The good thing about um, preaching uh, is that every week you have an opportunity to learn. And I learned something last week. Do you know when a five-minute sermon is too long? (laughs) When you tell everybody it's going to be four minutes. (laughs) Uh, I learned that last week. We we had a wonderful time of prayer uh, and lifting up the nominees. And I came up and said, oh, I only need four minutes. And according to someone who set their stopwatch, uh, I was actually four minutes and 58 seconds. And that was rounded up to five. Um, And so I I had probably 10 or 15 um, uh, comments that people said, well, you went five minutes, it's not four minutes. And I thought, how am I ever going to (laughs) win? So I figured out how to do this. I just need to lower your expectations, which means raise the time limit. And if I don't meet or exceed that time limit, then I'm in good shape. So I'm setting my stopwatch. We've got 35 minutes. <laughs> and if I blow past that, then you can say something. We're really, I want to devote these next few minutes, however long or short they are, whether by time or our perception, I want it to be for God and His glory. And so I'm going to ask if we can just spend a, a few moments in prayer lifting Him up. God, You're an awesome God, and I'm thankful for Your Word, and I'm thankful for how powerful it is in our lives. And Lord, You do things um, for us and, and through us in, in such powerful ways, and oftentimes we just forget. Lord, we sometimes get consumed and we lose focus on You and our Creator and our Savior. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray that that we just get back to the basics and that's that's hungering for You. You're an awesome God and You are worthy of all our praise. It's in Your Son's name that I pray. Amen. I want to take a a few minutes this morning uh, and I want to talk about, um, well, what I always love to talk about, food. Um, I, I love food. Um, how much do you think a sandwich is worth? Anybody, anybody put a price on a sandwich? It depends on how hungry you are. I'm going to tell you a, a story. Up, um, I, I went up, headed up with my son and, and, and some friends yesterday. We, we ran up to the, the mountains in, in Rio Doso, uh, which it's Rio Doso, unless you live in Texas, it's Rio Doso. I'm still confused about that, but uh, we had packed a lunch, a, a sandwich, uh, a couple pieces of bread, uh, some turkey, some cheese, and the tangy zip of Miracle Whip in there just made it, well, it was the sandwich that I would normally eat. Uh, but we got up on the mountain and we exerted more energy than usual, we burned more calories, and when it was time for lunch, we were way past ready to eat. And I can remember... Um, I can remember sitting down uh, on the floor, um, and when I say the floor, what I mean is the, the asphalt uh, of the parking lot where we had gone down, and, and we were tired and worn out, and I saw the sandwich, <laughs> and uh, Wyatt and I and another one of our friends, we all commented, all three of us said, these are the best sandwiches we've ever eaten in our lives. What will make you think it's even more odd is the fact that we had made the sandwiches the night before and they had sat in the fridge and they'd gotten cold and they kind of got mushy 
And, and probably any chef or connoisseur would have said, that's disgusting, it's not edible, you wouldn't dare feed that to anybody. But sitting on the cold asphalt, starving, all of a sudden, this was the best sandwich I had ever had in my life. It was so good. And I realized that hunger plays a big part in what we like. How about this thing? This is a, a $50 bill. This is, this is my allowance. This is what I get the first of the month. You'd be surprised it's the 15th, and I'm still hanging on to this. And so I, it probably won't make it a few more days now, especially Jennifer knows that I hadn't spent it yet. So <laughs> I did miss Valentine's Day, didn't I? So maybe we're, we're, we're celebrating. I was out of town, and so we'll be celebrating this week with, with my allowance. Uh, how much is this worth? About $50. About 5,000 pennies, right? It's worth about 5,000 pennies. Um, yesterday, the sandwich was worth a lot more. If somebody said, you can have a sandwich or you can have $50, I'm taking the sandwich. Okay? If I had taken the $50, I was so hungry I would have tried to eat it. And it probably would have tasted okay too, but the sandwich tasted so much better. But there are times in your life where $50 as a college student, when, when you are tired of peanut butter and jelly, and you're tired of hoping that you can find just enough change in the couch so that you can go get something to eat. $50 is a lot. $50, if you're trying to purchase a house... Oh, he isn't that much money. It just really depends on the situation. How about a good book? When was the last time, has anybody in the last six months picked up a book that was so great they had trouble setting it down? Has anybody had that hunger in the last six months? I, I've had that several times over. Here's one of these books. Man, I just, I love, I love it when you find a good book and you just, you know you should, you should go to sleep, but you just keep thumbing through it and you keep circling, underlining, and reading it. Oh, this is so good. I just can't get enough of it. Other times, you just think, ah, reading. I just, I don't really feel like it today. I want to do something else. It really depends on how hungry that you are. I'm here this morning really to apologize. I've, I told you I'm really new at this thing. I've, I've only done this for a few years. You've, you, you got me in my rookie season and, and three years in. I don't know that I've, I've done a, a, gotten a whole lot better, although five-minute sermon, <laughs> don't forget that. But beyond that, I mean, I just know that I'm stumbling through this, right? And, and I realized over this, basically in January that I've, I don't want to say leading you astray, but I've forgotten some really important steps. And, and here's how I, I realized this, is as, as the elders and the ministers uh, would get together and we started brainstorming and thinking about what direction do we feel that Taylor Street needs to go in this coming year, in 2015? And we were, we were talking about this and thinking about this, and I've, I had these three words, and I put them on this neat little font, and I said, here's what, here's what I think. I, I think we need to hunger, and we need to seek, and we need to leap. 
Like, if we can just have those, if we can do those three things, then this is great, you know. That's kind of where we need to be, you know. We've got to get built up, and we've got to get hungry, and we've got to seek, and then we just got to go for it. Well, here's the problem. For the last three years, I've been beating you down and bludgeoning you with this idea of you need to leap, and you need to leap, and you need to leap, and yeah, you need to seek, but you need to leap. Go out there. Go into your workplace and go into your homes and, and, and be a person who forgives and loves and has joy. And I realized I forgot the most important part of it. Why in the world would I ask you to go out and leap for something that you haven't already sought out for yourself? And why in the world would I suggest that you seek something if you aren't hungry for it in the first place? Why in the world would I tell you, go give bread to the world when you look and say, that bread's not that good anyway. And then you have to say, I'm not really hungry for bread. And so many times I've tried to say, just Go out there and be a presence. And what I've forgotten is that it really begins with the licking the lips and being hungry for the Lord. Being hungry for the Lord. And so as I sat down with the elders and we talked about this, we said, you know what? Leaping is great. Being to go out and and be to the world what we're called to be is great. But before we do that, we have to see God. You can't share what you don't know. And we said, okay, we really need to be a people who seek the Lord. Yeah, but we know it's really, really hard to do right now, isn't it? Because we have so much going on in our lives We have really good books and we have money and we have our appetites and all of a sudden we lose focus. And before you can say, go get that, go seek that, you have to be willing to convince the person that they're hungry for it. Have you ever tried to teach a dog how to play fetch? Throw the ball and the dog looks at you And he looks back at the ball and he looks at you. And then he does what all good dogs do. He wags his tail. Like, oh, that's great. Sure, there's the ball. That's great. I know he's thinking, wow, you know how to throw a ball. That's awesome. You have hands. I don't. And the dog's looking back like, now what? And then you go get the ball and you bring it back and you throw it again. And you're telling him, go seek it, go find it and bring it back. And what he says is, why? And then, and then you appeal to his appetite. And you somehow coerce him, convince him, you stick the ball in his mouth and you drag him back to where you were and you have him spit it out and he's looking at you like, that's gross, why would you stick that ball? And then you give him the little treat. And all of a sudden, he starts understanding. And he starts to get hungry. And he sees the ball. And he wants to seek the ball. And he wants to go get the ball. And he wants to bring the ball back. It doesn't start with, oh, I'll go find the ball. And then I'll bring it back and look around. And then maybe, you know, my master will give me a treat. It starts with, I'm hungry. 
And so I just want to ask you this morning, are you hungry? Is the Word of God like a good book that you can't put down? Is it like a sandwich on an exhausting afternoon when you just sit there and you think there is nothing better in my life than eating this sandwich if I had a choice between serving God and loving Him and being in His presence as opposed to anything else, does that fit at the top? The problem is, is we have found satisfaction in other things. And what I'm suggesting is, we have full plates and we haven't left room for God. And we have to clean off the plate and make room for Him. On Christmas, um, I, I, I shared this with a few folks. Um, we went to my in-laws uh, and, and we were passing out gifts. And I got, as I do every year, um, a shirt. Uh, and and uh, I, I, did I get a tie this year? I don't know if I got a tie this year. But I usually get a shirt and a tie and then some pants from my mother-in-law, from my in-laws. That's what I get every year. I know that's what I'm going to get. And I love it. It's great. And, uh, and as some of you know, uh, my mother-in-law has been struggling with some, some memory issues and she's been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And so I was not too offended when I went to try on the pants and they did not fit. And I thought, well, she just forgot my size. It's really okay. Uh, and I, I said, Jennifer, we're going to have to take these back. These aren't the right size. And she looked at them and she says, nope, they're the right size. No! And then I noticed something. All the other pants that I was wearing just so happened to be the wrong size. It became a labor, not of love, but of just of, of necessity for me to somehow be able to get the pants that used to fit on me. And I was able to do that. But the problem was, this is really difficult, is that once the pants were buttoned, I could then no longer bend down to tie my shoes. I am not joking. I would bend down and something would happen and organs would move and, and all of a sudden I could not, I, I was out of breath. I would come up from air trying to get the rabbit through the loop in there. And I had so much trouble with that. And I realized, you know what, I've got to do something about this. I've, I've got to, to change. And so I, I take on a very different uh, method of dieting. Some people like to exercise. Good for them. <laughs> I'm not one of those. Okay. Uh, some people like to eat less. Good for them. I'm not one of those. When I get hungry, I want to eat. So I figured that I would substitute what I would normally eat with an exaggerated amount of liquid. Water. I'm, I'm just... I'm, anytime I get hungry... I'm going to eat a little bitty bit, and I'm just going to gorge myself with water. And all of a sudden, I found myself getting into this, this argument with myself. What do I really want? And I can remember one night, I had this, this moment of clairvoyancy. I was, I was there, and I remember that there was a little ice cream left in the, in the freezer. And I remember arguing with myself. If, if, if there are like the cartoons had of, of the devil and the angel, they were going at it. There was a war going on. And I kept saying, 
And I, I, I wanted that ice cream so bad. And I just said, I've, I have got, I've got to, to refuse the temptation. And my stomach says, I'm starving. The mouth says, give me some ice cream. And so I walked in, into the kitchen and I grabbed the big jug of water. And I just started drinking that and drinking that and drinking that and thinking, if I can just learn to hunger for this water rather than for all the stuff that I try to feed myself, then maybe some changes will take place in my life that will be beneficial. And it's not been easy. It's been a struggle. But as I was thinking about that, I kept thinking, do I, I really had this thought, and I know this seems weird, but I had this thought, what if, what if I hungered for the Lord like I hungered for ice cream? You see, I hunger for things that probably aren't real healthy, whether it's food or entertainment or, or spending my time or my money. We always have these things like the ice cream says, oh, that's really good, and then there's consequences of that. But Jesus says, I'm, I'm the living water. Quit trying to go after these things that give you this quick, easy fulfillment and instead find satisfaction in me and seek me. I, I want to go to a passage uh, in Jeremiah and I'm going to have to zoom through this because there's really a couple verses I want to get to but you can't understand what Jeremiah is going through or really any part of the Bible if you're not looking at context. And so Jeremiah chapter 18 The Lord comes to him, I'm going to zoom through the first few chapters, and he says in Jeremiah 18, he says, I want you to go to the potter's house, and then I'm going to give you a word. Uh, I'm going to speak to you there. And so Jeremiah, of course, because he's a prophet, uh, he goes there to the potter's house, and the potter is, is working on his wheel, and he's creating something, and while he's creating this pot, he, he, he does what the text says, he mars this pot. He, he makes a mistake, or, or, or there's an imperfection with his creation. Does that sound a little familiar? Does that ring true to us? And so there's this imperfection, and so the potter then is able to correct it because it's still wet and moldable, and in the, in the hands of a capable potter, even something where there's a mistake, that it can be fixed. And God says, do you see that, Jeremiah? I want you to tell the people that even though they're marred, even though that they've made a mistake, I'm the potter and they're the clay, and if they listen to me, I can do something to them. I can change them. I will relent. I won't destroy them. And so he takes this message to him and he says, look at the snow on the mountains. Isn't it always there? He says, and look how the water continues to, to trickle down from these streams. Aren't they always there? And then he says, but here's the problem. Judah, you've forgotten God. God's all around in creation. But basically he says, you're not hungry for Him anymore. You don't really want Him. Well, that message obviously didn't go over real well. They were not pleased with the fact that he says, listen, you guys need to change your ways. And he, he goes to God. He says, God, what do I do now? And he says, here's what I want you to do. Go back to the potter's house. And this time, I want you to get a, a jar that's already a pot that is already cured. And I want you to go out to the people and say, hey... Because, you know, you haven't listened to what I said through Jeremiah, and because you're attacking him, 
And you're not listening to me? He goes, tell them that they're going to be destroyed. That the kings of Judah and all the people are going to come to ruin. And he tells Jeremiah, after you said that, I want you to smash this pot and say, this is what the Lord's going to do with you. Well, how do you think that went over? That was chapter 19 of Jeremiah. Jeremiah uh, was returned and he said, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to bring destruction on the city, says the Lord. But they wouldn't listen to his words. Now listen to this opening up in Jeremiah chapter 20. When the priest Pashur, son of Immer, the chief officer in the temple of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, he had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put in stalks at the upper gate of Benjamin at the Lord's temple. So, quick recap. Jeremiah, prophet of the Lord. God comes to Jeremiah, tells him, tell the people to repent. They don't repent. They get mad. They go against Jeremiah and, of course, the Lord. God says again, okay, here's what's going to happen because you're not listening to me. Breaking of the pot. They get more upset. And this priest comes in and says, okay, let's just beat him and put him in stocks. And it's not like he's hiding down in a cell. He's in a gate where everybody can see it. Okay. And Jeremiah has now listened to the word of the Lord. He's been to the potter's house. He's spoken to the people. He's been ignored. He's been attacked. He's now been beaten. And he gets out of his stocks. And this is just a a great story. Verse 3. The next day when Peshur released him from the stocks, Jeremiah said to him, The Lord's name for you is Peshur. The Lord's name for you is not Peshur, but Magor Misabib. Now, I'm sure there's anybody who understands Hebrew better than me, which is probably most of you would say, I just butchered that word. But isn't this an odd statement for Jeremiah to to make? Don't you think so? You used to be Jack, but now you're Meshur Magazibadib. Well, do you really have the right to go around renaming people? But here's what's most amazing about the name that he's been given. You know what it means? Somebody's got a note in your Bible. What's it say? Terror on every side. That's not a lovely name. That's not a beautiful name. That's not the name Juliet would cry out when she's speaking to her Romeo. This is a terrible name. Jeremiah says, listen... There is going to be terror on every side as a result of what you've done. Not only have you gone against a prophet, but you've gone against the Lord. And so what do you think happens as a result of this? Jeremiah now goes before the Lord. And here's what I really want to get to. This is verse 7 of Jeremiah chapter 20. Jeremiah complains to the Lord. He says, O Lord... You deceived me, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, 
proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. He comes to the Lord and he says, look, I've done exactly what you said. I listened to you and you deceived me because you said go and preach this, uh, this, uh, this powerful story of repentance. And they didn't repent. And instead of me being considered a prophet, instead they consider me a sham, and they beat me, and they put me in stocks. So what do I do now? I've listened to you. What else now? But listen to what he says right here. After all this has happened, things didn't work out the way he wanted them to. He says this, Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9 says, But if I say, I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Surely I cannot. Do you know what that is? That's hunger. That's deep down Greek speaking splogna, in the gut, kind of hunger for the Lord. It's more important than anything else. I'm going to really step on some toes right now. You ready for this? I've been holding this till the end. You ready? How about this thing right here? How do you hunger for this thing? They're talking about how there's a generation of people who are going to grow up and they're going to have a new form of carpal tunnel syndrome that's based on the fact that they're holding phones and doing this. Right? They have yet to talk about what's going to happen from having this thing. They talk about you can get cancer from something that comes out of your phone when you stick it up to your face for six hours a day. Or the fact that you're staring at it all day long, what it's going to do to your eyes when the wee hours of the night, you're staring at your phone. But it doesn't matter if you're blind. It doesn't matter if you're deaf. It doesn't matter if your thumbs hurt. What really matters is, does this mean more to you than God? And you'll say, well, of course not. One, it's Sunday. Two, you're in church. And three, you would never think that. But let me ask you this. How much time do you spend on this phone? How much? Ten? Too much? If you, I just want to know this. Don't raise your hand, but I want to calculate in your, your own head. You don't have to raise your hand. I want you to think about this. How much time do you spend staring at this phone? And how much time do you spend in prayer with your Lord? How many times do you say, Oh, i got to find my phone. Where is it? And how many times do you say... Where is my God? I need to seek Him. I must have Him with me at all times. Okay, so maybe, maybe this isn't a big deal. Maybe Facebook has passed you. Maybe that's not something you have an issue with. But maybe it's one of these things. How many times do you find yourself wanting to read a book or do a crossword? How many times do you have to sit down and read the newspaper? What is the most important thing in your life? Do you really hunger? Does being close to God better than sitting on the asphalt eating a sandwich? Is it better than sitting at a seven course meal with steak and your best friend? What's the most important thing in your life? And here's how we get to this. If you want to seek the Lord, you have to hunger for Him. 
And if you're like me, you've been feeding your eyes with this stuff. And you've been feeding your mouth with ice cream. And you've been feeding your ears with all sorts of noise that's going on in your life. And you just aren't hungry for God. No thanks, I'm full. No thanks, I don't want anymore. How hungry are you? How bad do you want it? What would you give up to have a relationship with God? Is there anything in your life that you put as more important than being close to Him? Psalm chapter 46, I'm sorry, chapter 42 says this. We've, we've read this so many times. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go to meet with Him? The, the panting like the deer. This desire... I've got to have Him. Nothing else will satisfy. Teenagers, if phones or boyfriends or girlfriends or school or making the basketball team or driving a car or popularity or getting the most likes or the most tweets or whatever on whatever social media site that you're on, if that's more important than God, then you're not putting Him first. Adults, if your career, if your retirement fund, if your house, if anything is more important than God, then you've got your priorities out of order. And I'm not saying add something on top of what you've already got doing. I'm saying sweep it off. Get rid of it. Realize that, that what God is offering to you is better than anything else. Are you really hungering for the Lord? I don't want you to leap. I don't want you to seek. I just want you to have that deep, down, burning, I need You, God, in my life. I need You, God, in my life more than anything else. Do you feel that? Do you salivate spiritually when you think about an opportunity? When people say, let's bow our heads to pray, do you just let your mind wander until you hear the Amen? Or do you think, here we go, I get an opportunity to come before God? I, I could spend so much longer talking about this, but I'm, I'm nearing my 35-minute mark. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is this. Hunger for the Lord. Take away those things in your life. Re-examine them and see, is God what I really want? Is He who I seek? Is He more important than the cars or the clothes or the girlfriend or happiness or retirement or vacation or whatever it is? Is God first in my life? And if He's not, 
It's going to be hard seeking something that you don't really care to find in the first place. He's calling out to each one of us to seek Him. May we find ourselves delighting in the Lord. Let us be able to taste and see that the Lord is good. We've filled ourselves up. Some of you are stuffed. Mentally, emotionally, physically, you're just... You're not hungry for God. But, but God can reignite that hunger within you. You just have to come and say, Lord, I need you. So this morning, I want to encourage you. Whether it involves standing where you are or coming forward, I want you to say, Lord, I need you more than anything else. I need you more than a turkey sandwich and a $50 bill. I need you more than a phone. I need you more than anything, Lord. I just can't live without you. I hunger for you. Blessed are you. Happy are you if you hunger and thirst for righteousness. For you will be what? Filled. God can fill you up as long as you hunger for Him. Please come as we stand and sing.